Hi, I'm Matt Harrison. Matt Harrison. Hi, I'm Matt Harrison. Matt, Matt, Matt Harrison. President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. President. President. President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. President. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And you're listening to Clerical Errors Podcast. All right, talk. Okay, so we're recording a bit more, making sure that things work, and then we're going to play back something that's been pre-recorded and make sure that the works miracle also. Of turning water into wine is a sign of the abundance of God's grace and the fact that... Sounds good in my headphones anyway. Now we're going to play it back and see what we get. Recorded live at Tox and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you... What's behind the collar. And it's just you and me. It is just a no, a, no technical staff with us today. Yeah, don't stumble. Yeah. Because I, I have to edit it this so yeah so i have to just be articulate and smooth and at the right volume and uh, and we live with what we do yeah just pretend like you're professional oh okay (laughs) maybe i'll fake a british accent today or something (laughs) what what do you have to drink there okay today i brought with me g0 that is of course a gatorade project a product that has no sugar in it and i like the blue flavored one this is the you know it's a kind of a sky blue colored gatorade product that uh because it's not flavored like a fruit. Like, what, what is this flavor? It's called Glacier Freeze. So it's glacier flavored, I guess. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whatever that means. Are you allowed to drink it warm? Well, <laughs> I maybe. This one is cold. but Oh, I see too. Oh, it's a glacier. Okay, I get it, right? <laughs> then it'd be like Desert Freeze or something. <laughs> anyway. And I, I just have some uh, some Italian sparking, sparkling middle water from Aldi. Yeah, that's carbonated water, all right. <laughs> is it water flavored soda i guess important lesson to stay hydrated yep yeah so how you doing vicar i'm doing well i uh, haven't gone to the gym yet this weekend so that's something i plan on doing later today all right and it's a big weekend for us because we have to be in our best behavior yes especially me for sure i was thinking about that <laughs> and and me. Well, yeah, I guess that's true, huh? Because it, it's a, the overseer of the vicar program will be here. Right, right. I, I can't. Uh, so I kind of made a mental list that, okay, um, don't publicly belittle the vicar and, <laughs> yeah, you know, all the things that I normally do, and I just got to hold back yeah. for a while. And and I know he's going to be here for our service, and of course, Doctor Peppercorn will be preaching at the service. And I was thinking like, well, I wonder if I'm going to do kind of my normal lecture, um, lecture duties. And I thought, well, yeah, because if I was the supervisor, I would certainly make the vicar be a vicar right in front right. of the program director. <laughs> so, right. so that made me realize, yeah, of course it's going to so, be. So, yeah, so we'll do, you'll do your normal stuff as when you don't preach. Okay. Right. And then I'll do the, the stuff that I do. I don't know what you do if you're not preaching though. Let's see. What do you it, mean? We got the Lord's Supper. We have confession well, absolution. That's true. Okay. That's a really good point. I don't do those in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> I, I do not lead those. <laughs> and so you and I are not not uh, preaching. 
Right. So, but you want to read the text for us? Yeah, because I used to like talk about it. Yeah. So yeah, we won't preach this, but here is the Holy Gospel according to Saint John, the second chapter. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rite of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Vicar. <laughs> yeah? Quick question. How would you, like, if you're going to preach this, how would you tie in the death and resurrection of Jesus? Oh. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that his mother was there also. Okay. That's one one connection that just springs to mind. That is such a good question. Uh, I'm sure you have a better answer. <laughs> like that. Um, Here's the thing. I thought, you know, the latest trend out there right now is uh, the use of AI, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially in art right now. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is what I did. I asked AI to write a sermon on this text, <laughs> tying it to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay. And so I'm kind of using this to see if we can replace you with AI. Oh, well, that, that might be possible with the linear way that I think <laughs> and speak. <laughs> so uh, uh, we, we've already heard, and, and listener, if you think we should replace Vicar with AI, where can they get a hold of us, Vicar? Oh, gosh. Well, I think I'm going to mislead them. With, <laughs> and tell them uh, why don't you email coffeenuts at gmail.com? No. Okay. For real, if you want to get a hold of us, though, feedback at clericalerrors.org. And on Facebook, we can be found by searching for Clerical Errors Podcast. And on Twitter, our handle is at Clerical Errors P. P for podcast, bro. Right. We also, yeah, at you, bro. And we have a Patreon account that you can find on our website. And you can buy a t-shirt. You can. You can buy t-shirts and support us. So I asked AI uh, to preach a sermon based on this text that ties ties this miracle (laughs) <laughs> to the death and resurrection of Jesus. I'm so curious. Do you know if it was the, is it the chat GPT or something like that? Was the, the underlying engine? Okay, well then, I guess right, I just have to listen. So, uh, all right, you ready to hear? I gotta hear it. Okay, here we go. The story of Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana, as told in John 2 verses 1 to 11, is a powerful reminder of the connection between Jesus' miracles, his death, and resurrection. 
The miracle of turning water into wine is a sign of the abundance of God's grace, and the fact that it is performed at a wedding is a symbol of the union of God and humanity. This miracle is an anticipation of the ultimate miracle of Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus' death and resurrection is the ultimate demonstration of God's grace and love for us. Just as the wine at the wedding was the best, so too is Jesus' death and resurrection the ultimate sacrifice and gift of God's love. In the same way that the wine at the wedding brought joy and celebration, Jesus' death and resurrection brings us eternal life and salvation. In the same way that the water in the jars was transformed into something beautiful and delicious, so too can Jesus transform our lives and bring meaning and purpose to even the most difficult situations. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus offers us the gift of new life and the opportunity to be reconciled with God. Furthermore, just as the servants at the wedding in Cana followed Jesus' instructions and filled the jars with water, so too must we trust in Jesus and follow his teachings. It is through faith in Jesus that we can experience the transformative power of his death and resurrection in our lives. In short, the miracle at Cana is not just a nice story about Jesus' ability to make good wine but it's a powerful reminder of the ultimate miracle of Jesus' death and resurrection and the transformative power it brings to our lives. It's also a reminder of the importance of faith and obedience to Jesus. All right. Wow. <laughs> so, what, what do you think, uh, listener? <laughs> I, I fear, I fear my <laughs> impending replacement. <laughs> now, I, I have a little criticism that the the AI asserted things more than supported them. I will say that. Just said, That's true. This is a reminder of the ultimate, and he said ultimate three times, the ultimate miracle of the cross and resurrection. Right. And he just sort of asserted it without saying why that was. <laughs> it's, it's important that I familiarize myself with this. Do you know why? And, and look at the, the patterns it uses. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I have a theory as to why. Why? <laughs> I guess some unscrupulous vicar after me <laughs> might try to write a sermon with an AI. I mean, we already, I've already been reading, you know, on Reddit uh, about regular, not seminary students, but students in, in uh, master's programs getting caught turning in AI-generated papers. Because the, there's like a, 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 what do you call it, an arms race now with people developing tools to detect when a paper has been created by an AI. So, so I, have a, I have a question, Vicar. <laughs> yeah. Um, what does... Uh, this text teach about the sacraments well i think it it teaches that through the divine word of god and his action the the wine is truly the blood because jesus creates reality right what he says is true and makes truth okay do you want to hear what uh (laughs) ai says yeah let's see (laughs) is it better than i hope it's not better than what i just said Oh no! <laughs> All right, Baker, here we go. The story of Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana, as told in John 2 verses 1 to 11, is a powerful reminder of the sacraments and the transformative power of God's love. The miracle of the wine is a sign of the abundance of God's grace, and the fact that it is performed at a wedding is a symbol of the union of God and humanity. At a wedding, two people come together in love and commitment. Similarly, in the sacrament of marriage, a man and a woman make a lifelong commitment to each other in the presence of God. Just as the water in the jars is transformed into wine, so too are the couple transformed by God's grace as they become one in marriage. The wine at the wedding in Cana is also a symbol of the Eucharist, the sacrament in which bread and wine are transformed into the body and blood of Jesus. Just as the wine at the wedding was the best, so too is the Eucharist the summit of the Christian life. 
In receiving the Eucharist, we are united with Jesus and strengthened in our commitment to him and to one another. The story of Jesus turning water into wine is also a reminder that God can bring new life and joy out of the most ordinary and mundane things. Just as the water in the jars was transformed into something beautiful and delicious, so too can God transform our lives and bring meaning and purpose to even the most difficult situations. In short, the miracle at Cana teaches us that God's grace is abundant and can transform even the most ordinary things into something beautiful and meaningful. It's a reminder that through sacraments, we can experience the transformative power of God's love in our lives. It's also a reminder of our commitment to God and to one another. Not as good? I'm not quite as good. <laughs> he, he did do the kind of evangelical repeated use of the word just. <laughs> right. And yeah. I noticed, so like if I ever get a sermon that, that has a conclusion that says, in short. Right. I, yeah, in short. And, blah, 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 and blah. uses very meaningful. Right. And it's a reminder. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. He said that a lot too. <laughs> he, I guess it. Yeah. Is that, that's how I might use AI, right? So yeah. when, the, when a vicar hands in a sermon, I could say, all right. This better be better than what I could oh, AI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first oh, of man. all, it was obviously, I could see it was obviously a, a meant to be a Catholic sermon. Yeah. I, I it think talked I about the sacrament of marriage. Yes. And it had an, uh, an understanding of when it talks about the abundance of God's grace, although as mm. Lutherans we are trained to think, oh, yes, he, he is very, very gracious. I think when it talked, the way he talked about, or he, yeah, I know. <laughs> the computer <laughs> uh, uh, talked about God's grace. It was, uh, he was abundant, so he can, mm. he can fill us with a grace that, uh, uh, by which we can get less time in purgatory or whatever. Right. It's kind of like when you pray, Mary, mother, not when you, but when well, Catholics pray, Mary, mother, full of grace, she has an abundance of grace, and you're right. asking for a little bit of her grace. Right. Treating it like a substance. Right. And I and I think I caught that too, I would say. Yep. You brought some good points though. Yeah, I mean as far as a I mean it's probably a good way to see a synthesis cuz it's you know these AIs are going out on the the world wide web and they're finding relevant documents and they're using AI parsing through them and summarizing, right? I mean right. that's that's what it's doing. It's not like it's sitting there thinking. No, it's summarizing content that already exists. And so in that way it can it might be helpful to hear what have other people said. Mm-hmm. In summary, or <laughs> like, or right, uh, or in reminder of this topic. There you go. <laughs> so I, I thought you'd enjoy this discussion a little bit. Oh, I do. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I love technology, and I think it has a good place in our lives. And God gave us technology. There, there's something about though this I worry about simply mm-hmm. because well, one, like if people who are learning to write sermons get into this. Yeah, which was which is the old Adam way of doing things. I can honestly say that that my knowledge of the biblical languages isn't what it should be. Why? Rather than like knowing it and reading it and just being able to parse out quickly, what do I do if I'm not sure? I just my tablet, I hit the button. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. And when you you look at uh, what AI does, as good as it could be, it if you're using it for that way. It's taking out everything about knowing your people. Yes. And and uh, it takes the Holy Spirit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and your sermon, there are all sorts of things that a sermon like that could do where not your sermon then could be manipulated by others in, in dangerous ways. And so 
I, 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 I kind of did it to, to show you that it can be done, yeah. but, and also to show you that I think as a church, we need to be mindful of how how dangerous this actually could be. Right. Because if you were to try and write, do use this for all sorts of various things, whether it's for teaching or preaching, um, imagine uh, how you are placing a lot of trust into people who, if you can make it preach a sermon like this, you could easily then program it to also, uh, in the logarithms, Mm-hmm. to have certain slants right or to to manipulate it we could probably tell it and it would to not use catholic sources for example um just thinking out loud right now and that might bring it closer to what we believe but nevertheless it does it does not believe anything and like you said it's devoid of it's devoid of the holy spirit it's not like a pastor looking at the bible and thinking about his flock and how to tell a sermon, how to preach a sermon and deliver it so that's relevant. It's simply summarizing what's been said before. It'd be probably a step down from just finding a, a manuscript of a pastor that you knew and trusted and recycling it and using it because you were short on time, because at least then you could pick and choose, you know, the, a pastor you trusted and, and mm-hmm. to re- use a sermon that you knew that the man preached it, you know, something true. This is, you have no guarantees where it's sourcing this material. And, and if it's hasn't, has a divergent away from the word of God slant to it because it's just what it happens to find. I mean, it's, it's a terrible, I mean, other than maybe giving you some ideas of your own manuscript that you would then write mm-hmm. yourself, I don't think it's a good tool for the, for the ministry. Listener, if you think we should replace Vicar <laughs> with AI. <laughs> That's terrible. I mean, we kind of go one first circle because, you know, originally that Vicar was brought in as an app. Right. That's true. They're, so... That now I could be the the vicar AI, I suppose, or at least I have to step up to that level of <laughs> of skill. <laughs> oh, so let's let's actually talk about the text. Our AI preacher missed is uh, um, well, one is he just had loose connections. This reminds me of this. This reminds us of yes. this, right? Yep. And he uses symbolize all these things. It will never make definitive statements like God gives you life it's it it doesn't want to make those type of statements so that's a very good point well we have this being a sign a sign that of jesus coming to this world this is why we read it during the epiphany season jesus manifesting his identity during epiphany which is manifest you you have um the people listening to jesus and the fact that this is jesus really blessing marriage yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i like that yep and and so you, this is a good text for for a wedding, but also you have uh, um, a reminder that Jesus does all things good. How uh, he hides and covers the mistakes of others for not having enough wine. I always thought that was so interesting that he saved somebody from uh, embarrassment in a very you know what do I want to say like cultural sense. He saved them from embarrassment. It, that that was a concern to him. He did something good that was of that was not going to make somebody wounded or, you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. physically wounded. But he saved them from embarrassment. I always thought that was so interesting. So this is what would be way better than what the AI said. When you want to connect it to the death and resurrection, yeah, I would say, here is Jesus coming to this world to take for himself a wife. This mm-hmm. is God's sign that yeah. he is going to, through his death and resurrection present us to be 
his bride, washed clean by his blood, baptized in his name. There's a sacramental, There right? you go, yeah. Uh, enjoying the feast where we unite with him in, in an eternal bond. So here Jesus is, is taking for himself a bride, washing them clean, announcing his arrival. Yeah. And uh, at a wedding. That's the, the beautiful thing. Now, now, one thing AI can't do, mm-hmm. right, Vicar, is uh, AI cannot really go to the person in the chair type of a thing. Yeah, so the, the exercise that you've had me do to, to write sermons where I imagine I'm telling somebody in particular in a chair across from me, and that's how I often write my sermons now, is to imagine that I'm actually talking to a specific person. The AI will not be able to do right. that. Uh, I'll give you some scenarios Mm-hmm. And then you you kind of see what what would this person need to hear from this text, right? Okay, so let's say what would someone who struggles with Christianity being the only religion, like Jesus being the only way? Hmm. And by the way, I I I might pick that. I'm I'm not picking stuff that are that I can see like right away. I'm just picking okay. random things. Okay, so if- I don't have necessarily anything in mind as of yet. Okay. I think if it was a person who was just not a believer, I, I might want to emphasize um, the historical fact of Jesus coming to this world and then demonstrating his divinity. Um, so that I would probably lean on that almost as an, a, an, as a, an apologetic. Mm-hmm. Why, why nowadays do we even care who Jesus was 2,000 years ago? Well, these authors documented very carefully the way he manifested himself mm-hmm. as having divine powers. Um, and he did very human things. This is a real person in history who went to real cultural events that were appropriate for his day and age. This is true. And, and, and I would say this, too. Someone in that situation might say, well, obviously, this is just a tall tale because water doesn't change into wine. And, and my point would be that's why we have it written down as a miracle. Yes. Because it doesn't happen. Right. The fact that it doesn't happen and Jesus did it is not a, a something to show it's a tall tale. You, there's if you there's only two answers you can say either it's a tall tale or Jesus is the one, right? And and the, so the fact that Jesus actually did it helps address that. The reason why it's recorded is it's a sign. It's a particular sign. It's yeah. a miracle. It's something that you don't see. That's why they wrote it down. That's why they wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. That's why we know uh, and this and other signs that Jesus did point to the fact that this dude is different. Yeah, I like that. And I know there's anti-miracle bias out there and it can be hard to cut through, but I think sometimes when you're confronting somebody who truly doesn't believe that miracles can occur, uh, you might ask them about, maybe you can get some headway with the origin of life or consciousness, the existence of the universe at all. Like, why are these things so? There's, there is no mundane answer, you know, if, to the na- laws of nature, so to speak, for these things to be. They didn't have to be. They are only because of a, of a divine agent that is the first cause. All right, next uh, situation that I don't think AI could do. Okay. How would you apply this to someone maybe who understands the struggle of, of faith from the previous perspective, right? But struggles particularly with um, maybe various social issues where what God says on on marriage and it seems cold or hard or unloving, hmm. which is how some people might view what the scripture teaches 
on marriage because right. because they may not be allowed to love or marry the one they want to marry. Right. So how would you address that person? It's hard to get there. Um, it's like I want to attack almost when I think of these issues. And I know that wouldn't do that person any good to hear me like fraud at the mouth right. talking if you, about if you, the if, correct. If someone struggles with that and they're a member of your congregation and you just attack it, right? Good, they're going to have trouble hearing God's word from that point. That's absolutely right. You have to, if that's your, your intention, if knowing maybe that people are struggling with this from that aspect, then you have to address it in a different way. I would say this, if Jesus here is taking for himself a bride, uh, he's taking for himself an imperfect bride. He is there because we are broken. And he is there uh, because it is a messy world. He is there to win for himself a bride of sinners who with all their struggles, with all their temptations, saying, okay, I'm taking you. I'm washing you clean. He is the one certainly who created marriage, who created us male and female, uh, created and blessed marriage here. But it's a blessed marriage based on his design. And if you struggle with that, remember, this is the same way in which he brings salvation to all of us. This is how he brought his grace by taking upon us to be his bride. Yeah. Do you think that people might be helped by hearing that 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 other sins in the realm of sexuality uh, are also of a concern to the church and to Jesus and to forgiveness? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at is we don't just condemn, say, same-sex marriage. That's not what we do. We we are saying that I, marriage— I, I'll, To answer your question, a strong yes. Okay. Uh, if you were to pick and choose, uh, they'll notice that. Right. If you are people always— no, uh, Don't have a care in the world about people cohabiting, mm-hmm. and yet you uh, have tr- trouble with the others— that, that is an inconsistency that is, well, not fair to either group. <laughs> right. Right. Um, or if you're very dismissive of, say, divorce, like you don't, you never talk about how that's not part of God's plan. Right. Then, then it's like you're singling one sin or one sinful temptation over and above right. another. Okay. And so this is why in sermons you you realize that everyone struggles with sin. Everyone has their own everyone's temptations at heart are the same, but in actuality are very different. We have a very easy way of addressing the sins that we don't struggle with. Yeah. Like if I'm going to preach a whole sermon against crack cocaine, I mean, that's probably irrelevant for most people and is also not something that was particularly tempting to me. So it probably is not a very uh, directed, useful sermon. Right. So that, that I think that's maybe how you might address that. Yeah. Okay. How would you use a sermon, address someone who, who is a caretaker of a loved one who is ill and struggling, like, with those responsibilities? Hmm. You want me to go first? I, I can say a few things that spring to mind, I suppose, that uh, that'll probably be not as good as what you're about to say, but, uh, or you can go first. Okay, I'll go first. I will say, um, here Jesus ultimately saves 
the best for last. Hmm. It's really easy in that kind of situation to think of your life and think, okay, we're out of wine. This is all there is. This is the way life is now. I have this new uh, time in my life where I don't, in the foreseeable foreseeable future, we're not going to be able to do the things we want to do. Right. Um, I slowly watch my loved one deteriorate, and um, this is the life we have now. This is my life. Now, that might be the cross that you bear, Hmm. but there's more. There's something beyond the cross that you bear. And uh, the Christ Jesus, he waited in this. He gave them an opportunity to bear the cross here a little bit, sweat it out a little bit. Yeah. And and, uh, because in the crosses that he asks you to bear, he doesn't, ask you to bear them without any hope or promise you know it's a cross yes but he saves the best for last when we think and you're tempted to think well this is my life now this is all there is i'm I'm alone in this fight and no one seems to understand well no even behind the scenes jesus refused to allow this shame and this struggle yeah to, to overtake the situation yeah, and and Jesus walked that same walk. His hour wasn't coming, gonna come yet. Means that he was walking that same walk too. Christ Jesus saves the best for last for you. That's very very good. I I know it can be hard to hear that you you're gonna wait for glory. You're gonna wait for heaven before some of these things clear up. But it's just um, it is a true message, and I think a good time to preach a message like that is when things are going well for people because they, it might be really difficult to hear when, you know, the day after they became a quadriplegic or something that, uh, well, it's okay. Cause in heaven you won't be, I mean, that's true. And I, I said it in a dismissive way just then, but it's right. a very true statement, but I think there are times in life that it's good to remind yourself and others that, um, that the best is for last. Well, well that, I mean, that's what, what faith ultimately is. Faith is, you may not see this even in your own lifetime, but because God's word is true, you hold on to it even though you can't see it. Yeah. You know, that's why the prophets rejoiced in the coming of the Lord, even though they'd be dead and gone before it happened. Hmm. Yeah. Because they knew that the Savior was going to come, that God was going to be re- in, bring in redemption, even though they didn't see it. Yeah. This is exactly the same as you study Revelation, right? Yeah. With John. What does faith hold on to? This is what's really going on behind the scenes. Behind right? the scenes mm-hmm. and beyond John's exile. This is what God is going to it's as real to you, John, as though it happened this very day. Right. Because God promised it so. So even if it's your reality, even though you don't see it, because it's true. Right. Yeah, once the word of God has spoken, then that is the truth. <laughs> With your favorite dire- uh, article there, the 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 truth there it is i've been getting a lot of discipleship jokes have you okay yeah from from, from fellow from listeners that you heard the where we right. chewed out the word discipleship and uh <laughs> ministry a couple weeks back <laughs> come up with some for me oh give from, me a situation from this text just a random situation yeah the same exercise that we're doing i've been giving you okay ones. Uh, well, I have sort of a question, so maybe this will be good enough okay. for the situation. Why did Jesus say his hour had not yet come and then turn around and do the miracle? You know what I mean? Like it's, it seems like a clash of ideas, you know, woman, what have I, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And then what appears to be moments later, he performs a sign. 
I mean, do you? Is it, 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 okay, this is a, this is how it reminds me. My, my sister was growing up was always mean to me, and one thing she had fun doing because I was quite athletic <laughs> is she would take some of my mother's like prize dishes, and she would toss them at me. Oh goodness! And I would catch them, and I would put my arms behind my back and say, "I'm not catching them! I'm not catching them! I'm not catching them!" She threw it. I would. <laughs> dive and catch it like charlie brown style kicking the football like tricked over and over again <laughs> right because I, but my sister knew mm-hmm. it's because i was a good son <laughs> like even though i was like i was hesitant and i said no no i'm not going to she threw it okay i'll catch it hmm. uh that's kind of what i see here mary knew her son yeah and he's like ah <laughs> my hour not con- hasn't come yet, but she knew. I know my son is gracious. I know him to be merciful. I know he can't re- refuse a cry of faith. Mm. Do whatever he says, cause you know, throw in the dish, he'll catch it. <laughs> it does show like that she trusted that he would act right, and and, and so yeah. so I think that that actually is how I would. And his hour has not come yet to to be crucified, obviously, and right. and and he's maybe thinking about the timing, but above all of that, Mary just knew, yeah, yeah, he'll, he's gracious, he's merciful, do whatever he says, right? It's it's like Mary knowing her son and trusting in his goodness and his mercy. He knew that he only really had one option, and so to me, it's almost like <laughs> frustration. Okay. My hour hasn't come yet. What does that have to do me? Okay, fill the jugs with water. Yeah, <laughs> that—that's how I would take that. I, I like it. <laughs> so you have a, you have a situation. You're preaching the sermon, and you know for sure that somebody is visiting the church with children, and they are not churched yet. How would you? Would you? How would you maybe modify or or preach a sermon when you knew for sure you had unchurched young people listening? Okay, so like parents, parents decided to visit the church, but they and they brought children with them, but they have not raised those children in the church so far. They're just investigating, perhaps, which maybe they ought to be going to church. Okay, I would start by saying, we live in an empty world, yeah, with empty promises, and we have no guarantees. What is this world going to look like when in twenty years for your child? What is it going to look like in thirty years? We don't have any givens about what the life of your children are going to be like. We have no givens about uh, how good or bad things will get. We have no guarantees of how AI will change their worldview. They need this Lord Jesus to give them hope, life, and salvation in the midst of all the things that they're going to face. They're going to need a Lord Jesus who can fill emptiness with his goodness. They need a Lord Jesus who will cover their sins and grant meaning in places where there is no meaning. You know, if you love your children, you want to give them what is best. And that's what Jesus here provides. Hmm. And there's a history behind this. Remember, as things change so quickly, we have this word of God that you're hearing 2,000 years old, and here it brings, it has proven to be something that stands time and change and worldviews. It cuts through all of that and gives you truth. 
Now, you know, you might think of every parent I know wants what's best for their children. They want to give them the best outcome. They want to give them uh, the most hope. You know, there's something to be said about before all of those things, give, placing in their hands eternity. That's the only thing that you can take to heaven with you. That's the only thing that's you can, you can hold on to now that you can hold on to again hmm. in eternity. And and the one who changes water into wine, who can't refuse to be gracious and merciful, cannot be refused to be gracious and merciful to your children. Uh, in that situation, the hour has actually come. Hmm. And uh, he changes, bring your your children to the waters of baptism where Jesus will change that water to become a life-giving flood. It changes that water to make it, to take for himself your child into his kingdom. Well, that's a fantastic way to preach that to somebody who has brought children and are investigating whether church is right for them or not. Take this water and do what Jesus says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Do whatever he says. What did he say? Baptize. <laughs> Very good. One more, because uh, let's just, uh, it's going to be a short episode, but I, since I have to edit this, edit this, I yeah. don't mind if it's shorter, because right. it takes me four times what takes <laughs> Peter. A person that walked away from the faith and their relative have browbeat them into finally coming to church with them, but they walked away from the faith kind of a long time ago. Okay. Any particular reason why they walked away? That's a good question. Um because that, that, that would change. They saw what they perceived to be a lot of hypocrisy in the church. And since there were so much hypocrites, they thought, this this is terrible. This is no, this is bad. I'm just going to go away. How long? Like 20 years? Yeah, let's say 20. Okay. So I am picturing somebody in my head, by the way. Okay. All right. So see, uh, see if this fits your picture in your head. Okay. All right. Up until this point in human history, what have we seen? We've seen a world devoid of meaning. You've seen people kill each other. We've seen sin and hatred on all corners, envy, greed, lost, all these things. And here in this human history, Jesus is placed. And he essentially says here, I have something better for you. Uh, you have been away from the church a while, and there might, may be many reasons. I don't know them all. But we, we come here realizing the emptiness that we bring, how uh, we don't, uh, we might act like we always have the answers in our day-to-day life, but we don't, we're sinners. You probably have seen in your own life this kind of emptiness. And uh, there's lots of ways where you have sought to answer this question, but ultimately you have not been able to answer what death, you have not been able to answer uh, what happens? You haven't able to answer your own life, like you think you do, but do you? You're here in a great moment where you have the Lord Jesus who changed that water into wine. You have the Lord Jesus who changes us. That's why we're all here as sinners. We need to be changed. We need to be forgiven, and uh, we need to be created into a new creation. And so here, God changes all those things with his love and mercy. 
And uh, he has this, you have this opportunity here today to hear again how it is that you can be loved by God, how it is that he came to save you, what a joyous celebration it is. The Bible says that uh, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. That's a reason for a celebration. And the fact that you're here, hearing God's word, hearing of Jesus' death and resurrection, think of the, rejo- the rejoicing in heaven in your repentance. Hmm. The rejoicing in heaven over a child being welcomed home again. Uh, imagine the joy of a shepherd uh, as he brings his lost lamb back to the fold. Uh, that's all reason for celebration. And I'm glad you're here because uh, you offer here the same reason of for us to be rejoice and celebrate in the, the, for, the forgiveness of your sins. That at this point in your life, uh, God has g- gives you the best. He gives you his son. Um, that doesn't mean that life is going to be rosy from this point out on, mm-hmm. but it's not without meaning. You've already done that. You see where this leads. Did that match the person? It matched pretty well. Um, I might have only added a little to, I mean, only a little to emphasize that like that. Um, and you said it some, but like there's only sinners here that there will still be. How do I want to say this? I don't I don't want to say it wrong, but there'll there'll still be times when you can look around at the church and things aren't perfect. And but that doesn't change the fact of salvation and our great need for it. It demonstrates our great need for Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, and his forgiveness. Maybe I would have added a little okay. bit more about that for the person I had in mind. Okay. But that was very well done. I really like it. The this is a. This is by the way. This is exercises we do all the time, right? It is, yeah. As we write but, our sermons, yep. Right, but I think it's behind the collar moment. This is a great way to to consider preaching. Yeah, for sure. And to, to think about, you know, that's your job. A job as a preacher is to take this passage, the scripture, the truths that we are given, and uh, and bring it to the, to the listener, to the here and now their current situation which is why we cannot be replaced <laughs> not even vickers <laughs> well that's up for the listener to decide that's true right <laughs> <laughs> well, well we'll end it here a little shorter but that's okay this is bullhagen this is vicker and uh may your ai be the holy spirit <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time. Men. Why is it that men know less theology than their fathers and grandfathers? It's time to man up America with the Clerical Heirs Podcast. An all-natural theology booster can help you feel like the real men that made the church great. With this tea booster, you can feel more confident in the divine service 
or in Bible study. So what are you waiting for? Send your questions and comments and concerns to theologybooster at clericalheirs.org. That's theologybooster at clericalheirs.org. And fellas, she'll like the podcast too. These claims have not been verified by the CTCR of the LCMS. Please consult your pastor before using. If results are too intense, listen to a different podcast. Podcast. <laughs>